Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Let me start off a special shout-out to my friends at the McGuanago Police Department. Yes, yes, yes. A lot of people listen to the program, got a lot of interesting feedback, and thank you for keeping the community, including my very close friends Bob and uh, uh, Barb, safe down in McGuanago. So shout out to the folks in McGuanago. All right, let, let's start off. All right, as I was telling Steve the story, last September we, we did a cruise down the Rhine River. If you ever get a chance to do it, I, I recommend it. We started in Amsterdam. I had never been in Amsterdam before. It was a fascinating city. I'd, I'd love to go back. Lots of bicycles. And one of the things, it's it's a great old world European city, but it's got a vibe. It, it's got a pulse. And I'm not just talking about the red light district in Amsterdam. But one of the things that's going on, which is actually kind of sort of depressing in in a way, but very touristy and kind of depressing. But anyhow, in Amsterdam, just like now in Chicago, marijuana is legal. And you have people who will be openly walking down the streets smoking pot. You have cafes that you can go into and you can purchase marijuana and you can sit there presumably smoke it. I did not go into those uh, into any of those cafes. And then they also have your regular bars. And interestingly, the bars, at least the ones I was in, don't allow you to smoke marijuana in the bars. So it's maybe it's just too much competition or whatever. But you walk through you know, the, the streets, and there's some very narrow streets where they've got stores that are all over. And it, 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 it's like being at a rock concert in 1976. There's overwhelming smell of, of marijuana. So this is a true story. First uh, night that we are there... Um, we're, we're staying in this nice hotel off of just about a block off of one of the main drags. And I'm walking around with a couple of people who are on, on the trip. And they have all these, in these main drags, they have all these storefronts, including storefronts that sell like, like food. And there's this one particular storefront that sells French fries. And they are, I am not kidding, Gru, who's producing the show today and always, there's at least 50 people lined up outside this storefront. It goes all the way down the block to buy French fries. That, that, that's, that's what they sell. They, they serve them in like one of these like cone-shaped, like a, like a pla- paper cone-shaped thing, and you have your choice about 20 or 30 different toppings that you can get. You can get mayonnaise or you can get ketchup or various. But there's like there's all these people. There's literally 50 people in line. And I'm thinking... My God, these these must be really good French fries. So I'm actually talking to a couple people who I'm on the trip with, and I'm thinking, I wonder, you wonder if something like this, these must be really special French fries, and you, you think something like this would like work in Milwaukee? And you know, should we talk to whoever owns this and maybe see if we can, you know, make some deal to bring the recipe to to Milwaukee? Because look at all these people that are lined up, and you know, it, it, this was this was September, and it was kind of like chilly, and you know, we were actually kind of kicking that around. So. The night before we were going to leave Amsterdam, that's probably like a Saturday night, we're, we're walking around, and it's raining. And we, we walked over to the red light district, and we had dinner walking around, and we come back 
on the way back to the hotel in front of, again, this French fry place. And the line is at least as long as it was the other day and maybe longer. But now it, it's like it, there's this rain, this cold rain. you got 50 or 60 people standing in line in the rain to get these French fries. And I, I, I said, okay, I, I got I to know. So, you know, we get in line in the rain to, to see the French fries. Because, I mean, I'm thinking these have to be some spectacular French fries. So, you know, we wait, we wait, and it, it's the line, it moves pretty quickly. But, you know, it, it takes about 10 minutes in the rain. So now you're, you're just completely and totally drenched. And my wife is giving me that look that, you know, all you women, like I say, learn from your mothers that I, I married an idiot. We're standing in the rain. But I'm thinking, all right, these must be really special. And do we want to cut some franchise deal? Because. I'm with some people that maybe have some money that would like to invest in this. And so we get to the front. We order the French fries, come away, you know, got the toppings and stuff. And they were just French fries. I mean, it wasn't – they weren't bad, but they weren't great. They were just kind of French fries. And I understand the toppings sort of added a little bit to it. But would I stand in the rain again for 10 or 15 minutes to get the french fries. And I, I admit, I'm standing there and I'm a little bit puzzled by, you know, what's going on here until my, my wife, who cuts through all this, says, okay, Jeff, you realize what's going on here? And I, I said, no, I, I, I don't. Are people in Amsterdam that hard up for french fries? She says, Jeff, they're all stoned. <laughs> I mean, it's just, the, the, okay, these are people that all have the munchies. And so French fries, you know, with this dipping sauce is the perfect thing for all these people who are walking around stoned and they're willing to wait in line for this. And I guess I had one of these kind of like comes the dawn moments. You know, I think you're probably right because I wasn't stoned and the French fries, eh, you know, they, they were okay. I mean, they weren't bad French fries, but it wasn't anything that I was going to invest a ton of money in. And it certainly wasn't something that straight that you would wait in in line for. But high, okay, maybe it's a sort of a different thing. So I immediately put this French fry thing out of my mind. I thought, well, okay, it's it's, it's not going to work, you know, because people will, will try them once and they'll say, okay, that's all right. So today I pick up the Chicago Tribune. Big story. Now, of course, mar- marijuana became legal in Illinois as of a couple days ago, as of the first. And so they're having long lines outside the pot dispensaries and things like that. Well, what goes along with it? Headline in the Chicago Tribune, craving munchies, Chicago's best indulgent bites to satisfy the hunger whether marijuana induced or not. So it, it, it is, at least there's some entrepreneur. Then it goes on to list different places that if you're wandering around stoned with the munchies, you, you can, you can patronize. So I, I throw this out because I, I, I rejected the idea of bringing the dispensary, of bringing like the French fries to Milwaukee because unless you're high, I don't think that you'd go back or I don't think you'd certainly wait in line. At the same time, I saw this play out in Amsterdam, people standing in long lines, obviously stoned to the gills to wait to get these French fries. So for some entrepreneur out there, if you think, first of all, that you know marijuana is going to be legalized in Wisconsin anytime soon, which I wouldn't bet on, you might want to consider the French fry franchise. Or if you've got business interests in Chicago, you might want to take a trip to Amsterdam and see how popular these could be. As for me... 
I'm staying away from the French fries. But it does open up a whole new business interest. When we come back, a very, very serious story to start off the program on Friday. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. The the story of the day has to do with U.S. military action, which was taken against an, an Iranian general. Actually, the guy's name is Qasem Soleimani. He was the head of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard. That's the essentially it's a little bit complicated, but but think Iranian military. Um, he was the head of their elite force. He is believed to be a, a quote-unquote military mastermind who's been behind a lot of the Iranian tax attacks for for decades including they believe that he's responsible for masterminding plots to that that ended up you know killing american citizens killing israeli citizens killing other people across the world they believe that he was responsible for inciting the efforts to take over the u.s embassy in baghdad over the last couple days what happened is he had apparently traveled to baghdad to meet with various people. The U.S. got the intelligence information and they sent in drones and they they launched missiles and they, they killed him and a number of other people. So the intelligence worked. Uh, the Pentagon apparently recommended this to the president. President Trump signed off on this. And I, I think, you know, it, it's fair to label label this guy as as a as a state sponsored terrorist. Now, by doing this, what's happened is you, you have th- this huge that the world is now perhaps in some respects a more dangerous place today because, you know, Iran is denouncing this attack by the, the U.S. military and the killing of this general. They're clearly going to use this for propaganda forces, and this is going to help uh, mobilize people in Iran to hate the great Satan, the United States, you know, even more. It is clearly, I guess, destabilizing because it's an escalation. I mean, the U.S. targeted this guy, and they they took him out. So you've got all that going on. Iraq which is, of course, borders Iran. You know, it, it Iraq has to deal with the United States, and it has to also deal with Iran. This complicates matters in this regard. Um, so, you know, now you've got the Iraqi president who's been trying to figure out how to get the 5,200 or so U.S. troops that are still in Iraq, how to get them out. So now you have this a little bit more destabilized. The stock market is down today. It's not down as much as one might have thought. It's less than 200 points down because of concerns. Oil prices are going up because keep in mind that you know oil from the Middle East flows through the Strait of Hormuz, and that, that's a very, very narrow space. And, um, you know, one side of the Strait of Hormuz is, is bordered by Iran. So we've seen this before where Iran has launched attacks on oil tankers and things like that. If Iran were to retaliate against oil tankers, theoretically, you could make 
getting oil you know, through the Strait of Hormuz a lot more difficult. You've got some Democrats in Washington who are immediately denouncing this. You have a number of Republicans who are saying, hey, it, it's about time. The world is ultimately a safer place. And this is President Trump finally standing up and stopping saber rattling. You know, he's been saying for the longest time that, you know, we're going to use our military force to retaliate against some of the aggression that Iran has been showing. And this this is President Trump using the U.S. military to back that up. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let's tee this up. And I understand a lot of times we talk about local issues or domestic issues. This is foreign policy, but it's a foreign policy decision which has wide-ranging impact. The concern is that Iran is going to try to find some way to retaliate in response to this attack. Could that be cyber attacks? Could that be, you know, more aggression, more attempts to kill U.S. citizens either in Iraq or or elsewhere or across the world? Clearly, you know, Iran suffers a blow to their prestige by having this particular general taken out. Was this an unfair act of war by the president? Is the U.S. going too far? Are we looking at World War III? Or was this a an appropriate response to a rogue regime by the president. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess, on the surface, my initial reaction is the world ultimately is going to be a safer place because terrorists like this, and this is what the guy was, terrorists like this are are taken out. I think it also sends a message to the world that the U.S. isn't just about saber-rattling and talking about things, that when the U.S. has an opportunity to take out people who have been responsible, again, for the deaths of all sorts of people across the world and who apparently, at least according to the U.S., were planning other sort of attacks on our national interests, that we're not above making a preemptive strike. And I don't have a problem with that. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, hold on. Did President Trump go too far? We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're first. Hello. Yeah, Jeff, uh, I was just on your screener. My immediate reaction to this uh, whole deal is that uh, it's a wag-the-dog moment, just as uh, Republicans accused Bill Clinton of doing when he sent cruise missiles against the Bosnian Serbs during his, his impeachment. Uh, Donnie's just trying to distract attention, and he doesn't care how he does it. Do you think it was appropriate? Do you think the guy deserved to be taken out? Let's start with that. Well, if, 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 if it was so important now, why didn't you take him out when Donnie came in or well, because know, they had a chance. Or Bush was in. Well, they, they well, I mean, they, they had a they, chance yeah. to do this. I mean, they got the intelligence well, the as to where in, he was. The, the guy's been probably operating for, what, 20 years, and you didn't have a chance to take Oh, longer than that. I mean, longer than that. They go back to, yeah. I mean, they believe going back to 2003, he was or- orchestrating terrorist attacks and th- against U.S. citizens. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they didn't take him out before, and, and I'm sure they had more opportunities than they do now. Mm-hmm. And uh, still they... they uh, you know, it's, it's just the timing is just uh, 
very suspicious. Well, I guess, oh, thanks for calling, Mike. I guess the, the question, <laughs> the, the, forget the timing for a minute. I understand people want to go down into these conspiracy wormholes, but the question, first of all, I, I don't think President, President Trump's passed this impeachment thing. He's not going to be removed from office, all right? The question becomes, is this a reasonable Move. I mean, for a long time, people, including, by the way, Donald Trump, have been criticizing back in the day Barack Obama for not being more aggressive in trying to deal with some of these the state-sponsored terrorism. And here you have one of the guys who's one of the principal, you know, one of the principal targets of this. Now, I understand that there's risks involved. Don't don't get me wrong. But to me, the question, I think we're going to we get into the weeds if we start wondering, okay, what was the guy's motivation? Is this trying to be a distraction? The focus is, is, and it should be, is this the right move? The U.S. is clearly sending a message that, look, we're, we're not going to tolerate, you know, attacks against U.S. citizens and U.S. interests. The risk is, the downside is, you, you take an area that is already a powder keg. It's been a powder keg for decades, and you run the risk of, like, throwing a match into it because this clearly is going to inflame tensions in Iran. The issue, though, becomes, can you make, can they be even any more inflamed? I mean, you, you had the, the efforts to try to, you know, hurt people and take over the uh, Iraqi embassy in Baghdad. So I, I think, you know, you got to get away from the politics of this. And we have to have this conversation about was, was it the right move? And, and that's that's the ultimate decision. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Jeremy and Racine. Jeremy, Hello. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I think it was long overdue. Uh, the gentleman that was killed here, I shouldn't say Yeah, not a gentleman. He was a terrorist. Yeah, he's been facilitating training personnel and munitions for a better part of 20 years throughout Iraq and the Middle East with IEDs and things like that. And I've seen firsthand serving in Iraq what IEDs can do. Um, with that being said, a lot of the things that have been going on in the Middle East due to the impeachment, contrary to the previous caller, is ratcheted up a lot of... Um, a lot of operations against the United States because they feel that the president is in a weak position politically at home. So there are things going on that they're take, trying to take advantage of, yep. of of our current president's situation right now. So well, yeah, just look at what happened. I mean, just look at what happened last weekend with um, the the attacks on the U.S. embassy in Iraq, which was led by Iranian forces. That that's what was going on. So you're exactly right. I mean, there's been. I, I think people think that okay, Trump is weakened, and so we we can do this saber rattling and we can do all this stuff. I mean, Iran's been mm-hmm. like this for a while. I mean. I mean, okay, remember last year you had the U.S. military surveillance drone that was shut down, shot down. You had Iran that seized oil tankers last year, other attacks right. involving tankers. I mean, Iran is a rogue nation, and we have really not responded other than sanctions. In this particular case, we decided to say enough was enough. I agree. Iran's been playing proxy wars ever since we invaded Afghanistan. And when we went into Iraq, it was a golden opportunity for them to uh, insert themselves in Iraq as well. If anybody's been paying attention for the last 20 years of what's been going on throughout the Middle East and what Iran has been doing, this is long overdue. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. And look, and I, I, I'm not one of these guys. I recognize that the, the world is, in some respects, it, it's a more dangerous place today because it, it's, it's not like, but let's understand, 
regardless of whether or not there was this military strike that was incredibly successful and uh, a tribute, I think, to military planning. I mean, that we were able to pull this off. Um, but but let's understand, it, it's not like it's not like Iran loved us. It's not like people in the Middle East, particularly Iran, were like cheering the, the U.S. I mean, this is a rogue nation that had committed itself to trying to destabilize that area and launch uh, attacks on America and other people across the world. Now, have, have maybe this given a more motivation to hate us even more, if that's possible? Oh, okay, that, that that's fine. But it's not like all of a sudden that, oh, we had these great relationships with Iran. Now, I do understand. Understand that this creates issues. You've got Iraq, which has to deal with the U.S. It's got to deal with its much larger and much more militant neighbor, you know, Iran. So you've got these different issues. As I started off talking about in the program, you've got, you know, oil. It has to flow through the Strait of Hormuz, and so that affects a, a number of other countries in the area as well. So I'm not saying that these things aren't without risks, but let's let's be honest here that. At some point in time, does the United States have an interest in saying enough is enough? And if we have somebody that we believe has been over the years, number one, responsible for the deaths of U.S. citizens and other citizens throughout the world, and number two, may have been actively involved in trying to plan other attacks, and that's that's what the Department of Defense is saying. Now, again, we'll, we'll have to see. You know that that's going to be what some of the questions are. But if that intelligence information is correct, and I have no reason to believe it, but because it's certainly the the M.O. of the military force that this guy was the general of. Well, if that's the case, all right, how how can you just, you know, sit by if you get the opportunity that, hey, we, we have a chance, we've got reliable intelligence that we can end up taking him out. Bob in Milwaukee. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Bob. You there, Jeff? Yeah, hi. You're on. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Uh, you said Bob in Milwaukee. I'm in Waukesha. But, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Bob in uh, Waukesha. I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoy your show, Jeff, and it's thought-provoking. My concern is, and you, you have said this over and over again, that we have decided enough is enough. And my concern is, did we decide or did uh, uh, Donald Trump decide in a vacuum like he has done on other things in the past resulting in some presidentials? Well, I mean, at least the preliminary reports are is that this was something that was recommended by the Pentagon and then signed off on by the, the president. It, if if that's true, as opposed to the president just waking up one morning and saying, OK, here, here's, you know, we're going to try to take this guy out. My guess is this has been something that the efforts to target this particular man has probably been ongoing for years, would be my guess. And they saw the opportunity. If if that is the case, do you have an issue with it? Uh, I do not. Okay, good. Fair enough. I, I think right. It, it, right. I mean, I I understand because I understand because President Trump is, is controversial, and because there's always people that are like second guessing everybody's motives, and and you see that. I mean, you see that all the time. I mean, so is this an effort, like our first caller suggested, to distract from impeachment? I I don't think that's the case. I. I think it's a situation, candidly, and I think the evidence is going to come out, that they've recognized that this guy, the person that ended up being taken out, the general, was an international terrorist. My guess is the U.S. has been looking for ways for a long time to take him out, 
and that they had the intelligence that provided the opportunity to do this. Again, I recognize, are there risks to this? Yes. Is it likely that Iran is going to be looking for ways to, quote, retaliate? The answer is probably yes. Does that mean that we need to be on on heightened security levels? Will there possibly be an attack against U.S. forces, whether it's a suicide bomb or something like that, in Iraq or elsewhere in the region? The, The answer is yes. Should U.S. citizens, to the extent they still are in Iraq, should they probably get out for the time being? My, my answer would, would be yes to all those different things. But like I said earlier, it's not like Iran was our buddy. It's not like Iran did not view us as the great Satan. It's not like Iran wasn't trying to figure out anything that they could do to kill Americans, or I would add kill Israelis, you know, in that area. So putting that in perspective... I guess the question becomes: Will nobody wants to see World War III start? I mean, let's let's face it: nobody wants that. The Middle East has always been a powder keg. Does this ratchet up tensions? Yes, it does. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the wrong thing to do. And if you have somebody that's trying to kill Americans and you get an opportunity to launch a successful preemptive strike, how can you not take that opportunity? This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You know, I mean, this is, you know, say what you want, but this is President Trump following through on, on what he said. I mean, a couple days ago, he warned that Iran would pay a very big price for its attacks on the U.S. embassy in, in Baghdad. And th- this is, you know, this is it. And I look, I. I mean, the, the belief was that this General Soleimani had cost hundreds of American lives and was among the Middle East's um, most vicious leaders, and, and so they had an opportunity to take him out, and they did. Now, I, I think it's, it's certain that Iran is going to try to figure out a way to respond, and short-term, yeah, I mean, short-term tensions are more inflamed than ever. Now we have to see if kind of cooler heads can prevail, see what Iran ends up doing. One of the things that people are especially afraid about is, is cyber attacks, and you know we'll, we'll see where that materializes. But it's a dangerous world that we live in, and I understand that there's some people who want to chalk this up as politics. I think it's less likely that, as opposed to President Trump finally saying, hey, just like other American presidents, I, you know, we've been talking about all these things, and we've been talking about people, and we've been doing all these warnings, and we've been saying, hey, you know, if if you keep doing this, things are going to happen and we're going to respond. And finally, we have an American president that that was willing to respond. You know, you draw that line in the sand and you say, don't cross it. And Barack Obama and to an extent, George Bush, they kept moving that that line. President Trump's decided not to. So we'll see where all this goes. Stock market down about 215 points. That's over concerns about oil and the tension in the Middle East and um Again, we'll we'll see where all this ends up going. On a much lighter note, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. Let me encourage you to check out a couple new tweets, including. All right, if you want to know what I listen to when I'm on my own time, when I'm like doing a road trip. Um, I'm one of five people that's featured in a story that's going to appear in the local newspaper of all places on Sunday. And I have a link to that story. 
perhaps if you are a regular listener of the program and you check that out, it, it won't be any surprise. But it's going to be in the travel section of the newspaper on Sunday. It's already posted online, but I have a link to it on my Twitter account. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. And then as long as we're talking about the local newspaper, um, one of their long-term columnists, Jim Stingle, who, you know, we've we've talked about some of his columns, you know, over the years. Jim uh, is retiring along with a number of other people at the Journal Sentinel. And I, I really don't know him that well. I don't I, I we years and years ago, we were like celebrity judges together, believe it or not, at this gymnast at a at like a gymnastics competition. I mean, it was it was like the U.S. Olympians that were here in Milwaukee. And my late wife was a huge fan of women's gymnastics. And so I, I ended up being one of the judges along with Stingle. It was kind of, it was a fun sort of experience. But anyhow, he's, um, he is retiring and I have a, I've got a link to his last column. I mean, it starts off, he says he wants to uh, thank people and say farewell to the best job in Milwaukee. And my comment was, I would suggest that at least on most days, I've got the best job in town, but since it's Jim Singles last column, I'm not going to argue the point and I wish him I wish him well. So, um you can check that out again. It's in the day's newspaper or at least it's available online at JS online, but uh, I've got a link to it if you follow me at Jeff Wagner 620 on Twitter. All right, when we come back, it is a place that I don't want to be oh about a week and a half from now. I'll tell you all about it. Stick around. And this is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. 33 degrees outside. And you look at the 10-day forecast, and this is the really cool thing. It, it, you, you're, you're not seeing any of those forecasted snaps of bitter cold weather. We're not seeing forecasts of, you know, two feet of snow or anything like that. And I'm, I'm looking at the 10-day forecast. And so that takes us through, like, next weekend. And as somebody who... I have Packer tickets for that the Packers game, and I've been kind of watching that. And the, the long-range forecast is like you know temperatures in the 30s, which I and dry, which I can I can I can live with. And that takes you like halfway through January. And look, I understand we're going to get winter weather. I mean, heck, we got winter weather in November, and, and you know there's going to be snow and the bitter cold coming. But you know. Every day, the daylight hours are getting longer. It's been since December 21st, the winter solstice. And, you know, every day that we have temperatures in the 30s or in the 20s as opposed to minus 30, that's just another day towards spring. How cool is that? All right. As I I was going to say, as I get older, my tolerance for crowds go down. But the truth is, I, I never loved being in, in huge crowds. Well, there are a couple events going on in Milwaukee coming up, and there's one night in particular. You couldn't pay me to be in the downtown area around Pfizer Forum. What day is that? A week from Tuesday, January 14th. You have a number of things that are, well, you actually have two things, big things that are going to be going on. On January 14th, Tuesday night, you have the Milwaukee Bucks playing the New York Knicks, all right? Uh, they're also, they're calling it Free Scarf Night. Now, the, the Bucks draw incredibly well because they're an incredibly successful team. But you add in the fact that they're giving away free stuff, and you, you pretty much guarantee that it's going to be a sellout crowd. They're expecting over 17,000 people to come down to Fiserv to see the Bucks game. All right, that's great. Also, that is the same night that President Trump is going to be in town for his Make America Great Again rally. And 
that's going to be right down the way at, I mean, I call it the Milwaukee Arena for those of us who've you know, grown up around here. I guess the technically it's now the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee Panther Arena, but it's the old Milwaukee Arena. So what's that? Four, less than four blocks away from where Fiserv is, you're going to have, you know, a Trump rally. And I mean, look, I don't know how many people are going to attend, although I've gotten a number of texts and emails from people saying they already got their tickets. Uh, they, they estimate that you can get, depending on how it's configured, somewhere between eight and 9,000 people inside the arena for an event like this. And my guess is there will be eight or 9,000 people that will be in the arena. So you've got 17,000 plus that are going to be going to the Bucks game. You're going to have eight or 9,000 people that are going to be inside the arena. My guess is there will be people in line that can't get in the arena. And you're also going to have the inevitable protesters that are going to show up. So you're talking about, you know, do the math, 25, 26, 27,000 people that are going to be crammed into that couple block area all around, well, 5, 6, 7, 8 o'clock. Rui, you look like you want to say something. Remember when they had that $100 parking spot next to Turner Hall? Yeah. I wonder if that's going to make a return. Well, you mean, right. I mean, I was just thinking about that. Where. Where are you going to be able to? I mean, I, I don't know where you would end up parking. I mean, it, you know, like, like, you know, I belong to one of the clubs downtown, and I just always take their shuttle over, you know, you park up there. But, I mean, and the, the rep, I, there, there's other, and we're, we're talking about, like, the, the Trump event, and we're talking about the Bucks game. But there's other, there's, like, plays. I think the rep has something going on. I mean, it's it's going to be flat-out crazy. And you're right. I mean, parking is going to be an absolute premium. Now, I'm not discouraging anybody from going, but I can also imagine what what the security stuff is going to be like because every time the president whether it's president trump or president obama or president bush or president clinton any time the president comes to town you've got all that other extra security you've got freeways that get shut down you've got roads that get barricaded <laughs> it's I am fascinated by this because the, the logistics of this with both of these events going on at the same time within a couple blocks of each other, it's it, it's going to be unbelievable. And my guess is we're going to have our full news staff out just talking about road. Cl- Can you imagine Debbie Lazica, what she's going to be doing? Because you know that, you know, inevitably there's going to be road closures that are going to be around there. So you've got all these people trying to get to the Bucks game. You've got thousands of people trying to get to the rallies. When we had President Trump here a few um, months ago, remember there, there was all the, the road closings that went on, and and then he was only doing an event at um, you know a, a, like a private home, and he was like at a factory or something like that, a very controlled thing. Here's you know a full blown rally. It it's going to be a very very interesting scene, and I guess my my advice would be. If what's the phrase that Debbie always uses? Pack your patience. My advice would be if you're planning to go to the Bucks game that night, or you're planning to go to the rep, or you're planning to go to the um, arena for for the Trump rally, do it. Gonna, I mean, it's going to be a spectacle. You just know there's going to be an incredible vibe that's going to be out there. But also, you know, pack your patience because it's it's going to be something else and you know maybe it's kind of an interesting sort of dry run for the democratic national convention when that comes here you know in july cuz you're going to have all sorts of dignitaries but at least there it's just going to be all the political figures here you've got politics 
you've got the inevitable protesters, and you've got professional basketball, and it's all going to come together in a four-block area. It's going to be something to see. As for me, I'll be listening to the radio reports and watching it on TV and sitting at home with uh, my favorite adult beverage. All right, we've got a lot of stuff coming up on today's program. want to talk about the latest involving this voter rolls case. Detroit firefighters, did they cross the line? And if you're a smoker, don't plan on working for this company. We discuss that all in just a couple moments. Please stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa Barkley, I, I, you know, if people don't know this, we're, we're friends. And yes. you, you always have a, you, I, I always appreciate your concern for me. I got, um, I just got you know what slapped by karma in a big way yesterday. Okay. And it just, and it, 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 it just, as I always say, karma is a you know what, and it always <laughs> comes back to haunt you. Now, for years and years, one of the complaints I, I get, sometimes good natured, sometimes not, about the program is people will say, we tried to call in, we couldn't get through. Phone lines were jammed, whatever, or in some cases, you know, we, we waited on hold for 20 some minutes and then you moved on. And, and I understand that. And, and my response, it's not trying to be flip, it would always just be, well, you know, it's a good problem to have if you're a talk show host <laughs> right. that people want to call and participate and are, are willing to wait. And I'm sorry, but, you know, we just sometimes have to move the program mm-hmm. along or sometimes the phone lines are filled up. And, and then I, I'm, it's, I don't mean it to be flip, but sometimes I always say, look, there, there are all sorts of shows that you can find where you, you have no trouble, you know, getting through on a phone line or something. And I, I love the fact that you listen, but it just kind of comes with the territory. Well, Karma got me yesterday <laughs> because as you were as you were noticing yesterday, mm-hmm. I'm 15 minutes into the program, and I, I'm, I wasn't eating anything. All of a sudden, I, I noticed that what I think is like a chunk of of a, my tooth has just kind of fallen off. Well, I looked at you and you had kind of a grimace on your <laughs> yeah. face, and you were messing with your tooth, and I thought, hmm, I wonder what's going on. And then I didn't a- I didn't ask you anything till at a half hour later, and I saw you still doing that, and I was like, yeah. Are, are, I said, is is everything okay? And you're like, oh, my tooth just you yeah. know a well, chunk came off or well, something. Well, right, and it's it wasn't eating or anything. And, yeah. And what what. What what happens That's so is well, what happens is you you get to a, a stuff just wears out. That tooth was tired. Right. It well, was that, tired. that's it. I mean, okay. So <laughs> yeah. over, over the years, you've had a filling or an inlay or, or whatever. Yeah. And you've had some work on it or whatever, and it just it, it just it stuff falls off. I, that that's you know that 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 ends up <laughs> happening. I mean, yeah. it, it happens once you you get to a, a certain age mm-hmm. and have teeth that have worked. So okay, so th- this happens. I I call, now the background on this is. The dentist that I go to, my my late mom, my mother, mm-hmm. used to work for a, a dentist in the North Shore. People who know my mom know what I'm talking about. And and so that was my dentist. And then at some point in time, the, the dentist my mom worked for brought in a, a young partner um, who is about my age. Mm. Okay. And so ever since he started, he has been my dentist. And I just, I mean, it's just, you, you go to the same guy. I just, we, we're friends, all those type of things. So that, that, that's my dentist. And he now, um, you know, his, his very successful practice and, you know, he's got a couple associates, you know, younger dentists that work for him, but it's, it's my guy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So yesterday, after I feel like there's a chunk in my tooth, that yeah. is and it's not hurting, but it's still, it's 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 bothering me. Well, okay? yeah, I mean, you're always thinking yeah. about it, right? And- exactly, and you don't know how bad this is and stuff. So I, during one of the breaks, I, I call up the, the dentist's office and 
and I, I'm able to get in to see one of the, you know, associates, one of the younger dentists, and, you know, just have take a look at it. So I go, they got me in at 345. I go over, and uh, she she takes a look at it, and she says, yeah, this is kind of, you know, you've just kind of fractured this this thing, and um what you really need is a crown. You need to have a crown put on. Makes okay. sense. Yeah. Okay, right. She said, you yeah. know, it's, there's been a lot of work done on this tooth. It's just where it goes. Mm-hmm. And I, I, she said, I can kind of patch this for you, you know, till you get the, the crown put on. Okay, so that's great. So she patches it for me, and it, that's that, that's fine. But I'm, but now this is in my mind, and I, I'm babying it. I'm chewing on right. the other side because I mean, I just, you know, I'm I'm doing all this stuff. So after she patches it, I go up and I say, okay, well, I want to see my dentist. They tell me it's five weeks to get in to have the crown. I said, really? I have been for the last several years, I've been referring (laughs) all these people to my dentist. No more, because now it's the point that he's so busy, I can't get in to see him. Too many good referrals. Well, that's exactly right. So I'm thinking, this is this karma from me saying, well, you know, I'm I'm sorry you can't get through on the the show or whatever. This is this karma coming back. So now I I have an appointment for five weeks out. I'm kind of like, I mean, I'm not in distress or anything, but at the same time, you want to get it done. I want to get it done. It's in the back of my mind because you, once they do that, they put it in a temporary, and then you got to come back three weeks yeah. later, and they put it in the crown. And I'm looking at, yeah, this is going to be going on for the next couple months, and I want to get it done. So I'm I'm kind of well, debating all these different you things. You and him both successful, so I guess that that, <laughs> that comes with success, right? Is that, is, I, think, that I think that's the thing. And I guess I won't be giving you any gum in the, <laughs> no, in the that, following well, days. No, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that's it. And again, I, I think, it, I mean, it's, it's fine. I don't think I can do any more damage to it, but, you know, it's just one of these things where it's in the yeah. back of your, you your mind. It, you want it finished, you want it fixed, you right, want it done. E- exactly, yeah. but it's it's kind of my own fault. But thank you for asking yesterday. Yes. That, that's, how it, that's how it kind of turned out, but karma is coming back and just kicking me <laughs> in, no. in the butt. Well, you know what? Maybe maybe they'll have a cancellation and well, they'll be what, able to get you in. That, that's what I said, and I, I said, well, you know, can you put me on the thing for the cancellation? And I, I didn't do one of these. Um, you know, my mom used to be the office manager, and I've been a patient here for you know decades and do you stuff know like who that. I am? no, no I would, I, you would never because my, my mother would come back and yeah. haunt me if i did something like that it's just like really five <laughs> weeks is the best you can do yeah. well you know you could go and you could go to one of the associates and i'm sure they do a fine job but you know you want to you, you have there's a comfort that comes with the doctor it, that you've been going to it, i get that exactly yeah. and especially since you're talking about like a crown you're not just talking about like Having a cleaning or something or, yeah, like yeah. that. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm wrestling with that. But if you see me chewing on the right side instead right. of the left side, that's what it's all about. All right. Let us switch gears. Here's the deal. If you are a cigarette smoker, I do not understand why you are a cigarette smoker. And I'm not being judgmental. I'm, I'm just saying that, I mean, smoking cigarettes, it's bad for you. Um, nowadays, society frowns on it, so they make it difficult for you to do that. You see people when it's five below zero huddled outside of bars having cigarettes, so you've got you know that whole issue. And it's expensive. I, I mean, it, it's expensive. What, a pack of cigarettes, Groot? You know, it's like seven or eight bucks nowadays. I mean, it's, it's something. I know you're not a smoker either, but it's stupid money, right? Yeah, I think it's around between seven fifty to eight fifty. Seven fifty to eight fifty, right? Now, I understand maybe it's cheaper if you buy it in cartons and stuff, but that's that's a that's a lot of money to spend to you know really ruin your health. Now, again, I'm I'm not being judgmental that way, but but that's the reality. Now, if you work for a company like I work for, that provides you with health insurance, but you know you have to pay a portion of it. The way the companies deal with it, like for example here at Good Karma, they don't say you can't smoke cigarettes, but every year when you re up your health insurance, you have to 
certify if you're not a tobacco user and I'm not a tobacco user you have to certify that and depending on how you look at it if you're not a tobacco user you either get a discount or if you are a tobacco user there's a surcharge but in any event smokers pay more for their their health insurance in Wisconsin there is a state law that says employers cannot discriminate against people for lawful activities. So in other words, because it's legal to smoke cigarettes, you can't not hire somebody because they're a cigarette smoker, although you can charge them them extra. So that's what my company does, and it, it just, you know, cigarette smokers might argue it's unfair, but it's just kind of the reality. A number of states do not have a similar law that protects legal activities like we do in Wisconsin. So um, two days ago, U-Haul. U-Haul is a big company. U-Haul employs about 30,000 people across the U.S. and Canada. And U-Haul is based in Arizona. It's it's an Arizona company. U-Haul, you know, you rent the things. All right, U-Haul announced two days ago that they were, starting February 1st, going to be going to a nicotine-free policy in more than 20 states where the company operates. What this means is that if you are applying for a job at U-Haul, doesn't apply to people who currently work for U-Haul, you're going to be grandfathered in. But if you are a new employee, you're not going to get hired. They will not interview or hire nicotine users, including people who smoke, people who use e-cigarettes, and people who use vaping products. I don't know if it applies to people who chew the nicotine gum. Don't know that. Um, In all these various states, um, it's legal not to hire people who who use nicotine. So 21 states, not, not including Wisconsin. Like I say, you couldn't do this in Wisconsin. But all these different states... Where they can do it, they're going to do it. The company says they think the nicotine-free hiring policy is going to help create a more healthy corporate culture. All right. And they say they think it's going to reduce health care costs. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, nobody makes anybody you know, apply for a job at, at U-Haul. So here's the question. Do you think this is a good policy the company is implementing? They're essentially saying, and not forget essentially, they are saying nicotine users, smokers, vapors, e-cigarettes, you're, you're not welcome. you got to either quit or you're not going to get a job. Our number, 855-616-1620. Is that a good policy? My answer, and I understand some of you might not agree with me, my answer is I think the company has every right to do it, and I certainly understand why they are doing it. All right, is U-Haul in the wrong? We discuss in just a moment. Again, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. 
So glad to have you with us. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, here's a text. This is the craziest policy I've ever heard. You should promote healthy living, not turn people down for their choices. What about soda consumption, processed food, fast foods, and everything else that leads to obesity? You can't smoke, but you can still guzzle a two-liter uh, bottle of Coke or Mountain Dew or whatever. Well, that's the concern. Is it a is it a slippery slope or is this a reasonable thing given the fact that even though it's a legal product we I think most of us would agree that, that smoking is bad for you it ratchets up health care costs and here you haul in states where this is legal it wouldn't be legal to have this policy in Wisconsin but in the 20 or 21 states where you can do it they're saying hey we're, we're not firing tobacco users but we're not hiring new tobacco users so if you want to work for you haul you have to, I mean, stop. Let's start with Cindy and Stevens Point. Cindy, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I am a former smoker. Um, I quit in my 30s. I'm now 60. And I watched my mother die of cancer. Um, I have lung issues. And finally, some company is doing a good thing. Because, you know, number one, they stink up the vehicles if they're driving their vehicles, all kinds of stuff. I mean, but it causes so many medical issues. Mm-hmm. And also, vaping is known to cause so many issues also. So about time. I hope more companies do this. Well, and I, th- I mean, thanks you for calling. Yeah, well, Cindy, I mean, here, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I think, first of all, the company clearly has the right to do it. As we often discuss, the issue becomes, is it the right thing to do? In this particular situation, I think what you see is that U-Haul is saying, all right, look, here, here's the deal. We're providing health insurance for our employees. That's the reality. And, yeah, they pay a little bit for it, but we pay the lion's share of this. We believe that our health care costs are higher because of of smoking-related problems that people have, all right? So we're trying to manage that, so that's what we're doing. And and we want a, a safer, you know, a healthier, you know, workplace. I think they have the right to do that. Now, the, the reality is they're not firing the people that are already smoking. If we were, if they were saying, look, for people who've worked, you've worked for U-Haul for 20 years, and now they're saying, hey, you got to quit smoking by, you know, February 15th, or you're going to be fired, I would have a different position on this. But they're, they're grandfathering in the people who are smoking. They're just saying, okay, moving forward, you know, we want this to be the case. Now, does that mean that moving forward, you know, people can have other healthy lifestyle things like, hey, you know, we're not going to allow you to drink Diet Coke or things like that. Yeah, I, I guess that's a risk. But at some point in time, if you go too extreme, all right, we're not going to allow you to eat meat. You're not going to have people that are going to want to work at the job. For um, let's, 855-616-1620, let's talk to Brian. Brian, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I just get nervous. I agree with... Uh with you that it's a good reason the company has every right to do so. I just get nervous about Pandora's box if mm-hmm. this were to move towards um, uh, state employees or public employees, um, being that it's taxpayer money. I understand U-Haul's not, but, you know, just a slippery slope of Pandora's box being open with 
with different limitations. Yeah, yeah and, and where where do you go? Do you I mean, like I say, that let's say, okay, we think people that eat red meat contribute to obesity, and you've got these climate activists who say that you know people who eat meat are contributing to global warming or, or whatever. So we want to be socially responsible, and we're not going to allow you to work here if you eat meat. I, there is that thing, I guess. My, my only response would be, I, I think you do have a marketplace sort of thing, because if you say, all right, you can't work here and drink soda, well, I think there's a lot of people that might decide, well, who wants to work for U-Haul? We're not willing to do that. Smoking may be a different sort of dynamic, and fewer smokers out there, perhaps. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, and, and then, I mean, I understand the slippery slope argument, and I, I think one of the biggest changes that I've noticed over the last several years has been the the backlash that you've had to smokers and i'm not, I'm not t- if you're a smoker i'm not telling you anything new you know but we we had the fights about you know should you be able to smoke in public places and and society has kind of moved on from that fair or, or unfair you watch some of these old tv shows from the 50s and 60s and you know you see people that have, have cigarettes in their hands all the time that's not the case anymore. I mean, if you are of a certain age, you might remember when they used to have cigarette advertising on television. That's not the case anymore. We're we're not prepared, nor should we, I think, be in a position where we end up banning cigarette smoking. But I do think, especially in a workplace, and especially if we're expecting the employers to provide health insurance, they, they have a right to make some demands as far as healthy lifestyle. Chuck in Manitowoc. Chuck, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. The the only problem I have with this is that most places of employment um, don't let you smoke on the job or on the ground. You have to go, you know, outside the outside the gate if you're at a factory or what have you. Okay. But when you're on when you're on break or when you go home, you can smoke, do whatever you want. So what? These guys are driving. They're driving cross country. They have to stop for gas, or you know, with the trucking laws and stuff, they can only drive eight hours or nine hours a day. Now you're telling people what you can do in your free time. Yeah, no, they're they're clearly doing that. The argument is, I think, all right, we're we're providing you with health insurance if you're an employee, and the the condition of of that and the condition of working here is you have to agree that you're you're. You're not going to you. You can't be a smoker if you want to if you want a job here. And again, this only applies to the new hires. But, yeah, that's what they're saying. That's the condition of it. You know, you we're, we're going to tell you what you can do on your own time if you want to work here. And I don't think that's right. But, I, you know, with the way society is going, I, there's not much we can do about it, I yeah. think. Right. No, thanks. But, okay, and, thank you, Jeff. No, thanks. And again, it, it's you could not. OK, I, I don't. Yeah, I, you, in Wisconsin, like I say, because smoking is a legal activity, I don't think a policy like this would be legal. And you, U-Haul is not doing this in Wisconsin. We're not one of the states where it's affected. They're only doing it in states where you can, in fact, yeah. And, and is this a, is this a form of discrimination against smokers? It absolutely is. You're discriminating against people who engage in a lawful activity. But as I often say, and people need to understand, not all discrimination is illegal. I mean, you, people discriminate against all the time. The question becomes, are you discriminating against a protected class? You can't discriminate against somebody because of their race. You can't discriminate against somebody because of their gender. You can't discriminate against somebody because of their religious preferences. But you, you can um, at least in some states, discriminate against people because they choose to smoke. Keep it in mind.
You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right, here is the story. Perhaps you have seen this photograph. Uh, It is, what's it like, Tuesday night. So it's, um, you're, you're talking about New Year's Eve. There's a fire that breaks out in in Detroit, and it's it's on a it's on a block in Detroit that's subject to um, urban development. They're, they're, what they're going to do is they're going to tear. They, the plan was they're going to tear down the, the houses that are on this block. The majority of the houses that are on the block are unoccupied. I don't know if that's relevant or not. So what happens is there's this major league fire that breaks out, including, you know, one of the homes. And I'm looking at the picture now. It's just it's it's completely engulfed in flames. You you see all these flames that that are there. Um, What ends up happening is you have a number of the firefighters there's about like 30 firefighters that respond okay this is a big this is a big deal the house is fully involved in flames apparently there's a fire captain on the detroit fire department his name is gary fisher and this is like one of his last days on the job he is retiring so this is shortly before midnight it's new year's eve this house is completely engulfed in flames and what the firefighters do is they pose in front of the house and they take they take a selfie of themselves or they have somebody with a cell phone camera take a photo and all the firefighters in full firefighting gear and I'm looking at this now they're they're posed in front of the house and you look and you can see the house is fully engulfed in flames and they take this photograph, somebody takes the photograph, and then they post it on, on various Facebook pages. And, for example, one of the ones I'm looking at, um, wishing Chief Gary Fisher a happy retirement. We're happy for you, but sad to see you go, sir. Looks like Detroit sent you out with a busy night. All right, so they post this. And, you know, they put this out there, and a number of people, you know, on social media applauded. Oh, this is great. You know, Chief Fisher, you're retiring. You know, that, that, that's super. number of other people say, what the heck were you thinking? I mean, this is a building that is engulfed in flames. And rather than fighting the fire, you guys are out there, and you're posing for a picture in front of the fire. Now, initially, the fire department said, well, First of all, you got to understand this was we were in a defensive situation, meaning the fire was so great that we weren't going to be going and we weren't going to be running in or anything like that. We were just going to be our job was just going to be to contain it. And and we did that job. Secondly, the fire department says also this was a vacant home. And as it turns out, it wasn't a vacant home. Other homes on the block were vacant. Now, don't get me wrong. There weren't, wasn't anybody in it. It was unoccupied at the time of the fire, but it was somebody's house. So it's somebody's house. It's it's a blaze, and you've got all these firefighters that are posing in front of it. Now, here's the let, – let, let's, let's just kind of go through the, the, the talking points while you're thinking about this story. On the one hand – There's not a lot that the firefighters could have done. They posed for this photograph, and then they apparently went about their job. It's not like 
it was going to change anything, that the House was completely engulfed. It was going to be a pretty much a complete and total loss. It's not like there was anybody that was in the House or pets that were in the House or anything like this. It's not like people would be running in. Again, it was just a containment thing. So there wasn't something immediately that they, they had to do. But they pose for this picture. All right, let's tee this up. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right, fire officials are now saying that um, they're investigating this. The Detroit Fire Commissioner says, we're investigating this. We're going to be looking at the posting of this photo, and we're going to be trying to decide if disciplinary action should be taken. My question to you is, should there be disciplinary action? What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I, I think we got to understand no, n- the, the damage wasn't any worse than it would have been had the firefighters not taken a moment to, to pose in front of the burning building. And that, that's what they did. So things would not have been worse for this. But the owner of the home... It's like, hey, hey, wait a second. You know, you're, you're supposed to come. You're supposed to put out this fire. You're sitting there posing while my house is burning. All right. Should there be disciplinary action taken? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My take on this while Gru is lining up the calls. Look, I, I, I have the greatest respect for people who are firefighters. That it is a noble calling. At the same time, what could these guys have been thinking? All right, we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. A number of people are saying, what was the circumstances behind the house? The house was on a block where there were a number of vacant houses. This house was not an It was not vacant. It was owned by a 70-year-old woman who apparently is dealing with Alzheimer's. She was out of the house. Her son was renovating the home. So the home was unoccupied, but it wasn't like abandoned or vacant or anything like that. The family is outraged that uh, there's all these firefighters that are posing for this picture in front of the burning home, even though the reality is there's nothing that the firefighters could have done. The, the home was completely engulfed in flames. So like I say, they, they, it was a defensive situation. By defensive meaning they're, they're just trying to contain it to make sure that it, the fire doesn't spread. And they did that. Let's start with Dennis in Milwaukee. Dennis, you're first. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Jeff, I agree with you completely. I've got the greatest respect for firefighters and policemen, but boy, this is just an unbelievable story. I I think the firefighters should face lengthy suspensions and possibly even termination. And one thing I'd like to know, you know, there's a lot of debate about the residency requirement for municipal employees. I really wonder how many of these firefighters are from, I live in Detroit and really have a commitment to that city. Well, I mean, I guess I see this. I don't. As a matter of fact, we might talk about residency in the next half hour. Uh, but I, I, I don't. I, I don't think we. It, it's. I don't see the two of them being linked. I mean, I think if if I were to put myself in the mind of the firefighters, it was all right. We've done all that we can do on the scene right now. There, there's nothing else for us to do. We've got our assignments. It's going to take 30 seconds to take this photograph. Here, we, we love the chief who's retiring, and so or the captain or whatever. We, we love the captain, and this is kind of a memento, and it's got this great backdrop. So I, 
I, I don't, I'm not going to attribute to them, attribute like bad motives to them. Having said that though, what, what an incredible exercise in bad judgment. And, and that's what I would say this is. Again, it, it's, it's not like somebody lost their life, but to me, and matter of fact, one of our texters makes the point. It's like, it would be like a, a police officer getting involved in a shootout with a criminal, right? Completely justified shooting and then posing for a picture with with that criminal. And I, I think that's kind of a fair uh, analogy to this. I mean, I think, you know, appearances do matter. And I understand from the perspective of the, the homeowner, okay, you're saying, all right, look, I understand this was going to be a complete loss, but but here you've got the people that are supposed to be there working to put out the fire, and, and they're taking time away to pose for a photo. Uh, appearances do, in fact, matter, even though the results wouldn't be the same. Now, do I go as far as to say you fire every poli- every firefighter that did this? No, I, I don't. I think this was a, a lapse in judgment. I mean, it's not like things were made worse because of what they did. And to me, firing is too extreme. This was just like one of these things where I just nobody thought it through. And I guess it is kind of troubling to me that not one person said, you know, this is I mean, it's it's one thing if if we're in front of a staged fire or something like this, or this is one of these controlled burn things, you know, maybe that's when you take a photo. But this is somebody's house. It is stunning to me that nobody thought to say, okay, maybe this isn't going to necessarily be the the best look that we want to have. Does that mean that I think they should all be fired? No. Do I think there should be perhaps some discipline? Yeah, you know, maybe you give suspensions out for this. And the person who came up with the idea for it, you know, maybe that person gets a little bit longer suspension. I don't think you need to fire people. But this it's the whole idea of what do we talk about a lot on this program? We talk about optics. You know how things look and in this particular case posing in front of a burning home even if there's really nothing else you can do the optics of that are awful this is Jeff Wagner and this is Jeff Wagner okay I I acknowledge I didn't want to do this during the noon hour when people might be eating because this is this is it's a gross story but it's also the most bizarre story of the day. And there's a lot of bizarre stories that are out there. All right, here's the deal. Henry S. Churchwell, 60, of Elkhorn, has been defecating sometimes several times per day outside of and on a building at Natureland Park in the Rock County town of Whitewater since 2017. Right. So the guy's been. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's he's taking a dump sometimes multiple times a day outside of and on this building. Okay, it gets better. You know what the guy does for a living? He's a English teacher in the Milton School District. The note says he's retiring later this month. Okay. All right. I I swear I'm not making this story up. Apparently, um, the the school board has approved his retirement as part of its staffing report. Um, Apparently, what they found is that they had found that somebody had been pooping, you know, on a regular basis on this park building and leaving used toilet paper behind. They said the person did this up to five days a week, sometimes multiple times per day. 
This guy's getting enough fiber in his diet, for sure. Parks Department would clean up the mess several times, occasionally having to pressure wash the building and repair the paint. Um, They got photos from trail cameras. They saw the guy defecating in the park. They also, the cameras saw a Chevy Malibu parked nearby. They got a partial license plate, which they used to identify him. Then, ultimately, in October, they apparently saw his vehicle driving near the park. They stopped him. They said photographic evidence of what he'd been doing. He said he was being an idiot. He said he runs into the park, changes in the bathroom, and that he also occasionally defecates in the park on his way to work at Milton High School, according to reports. Gru, you look like you want to say, what can you say about this? Well, think of, like... (laughs) <laughs> think of think of this as students that think like, oh, my English teacher is such a bore, just such a drag, and now they're like, whoa, this guy is crazy, literally crazy. I mean, okay, I, see, I, I understand. See, I could get when I first saw this story, I was thinking, is this one of these deals where the guy's jogging on the trails or something, and you know, nature hits once, and you're kind of you can't control it, and you do that. No, he's doing this multiple times a day, day after day after day. And he said he did it for the thrill, the the thrill of it. Yeah, he, he acknowledged that it was stupid. Um, he was teaching 33 years of teaching, 30 in the Milton School District. I, I, you know, there, there's some of these stories that you just go, what the you know what is going on here? And again, like I say earlier on, my, my advice would be less fiber, less fiber. We're back with more in just a minute. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm going to send out a number of people are already texting me. You're making that story up about the Milton High School teacher. No, there might be. Look, I, I freely acknowledge that some of the things that you, you hear me talk about are what I would call kind of semi-true stories where, you know, believe it or not, I, I make up a couple things and there's some stuff I forget, you know, but but I could not make up a story about a serial pooper from Walworth County who turns out to be an English teacher from Milton High School. Um, I will, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I'll, uh, I'll send out a link to that story. Huh. You know, again, it's just one of those things where, I just there's certain ways you you, become, you reach a certain point where you become a little bit concerned or you start to think about your legacy. And if you're a if you're a high school teacher, you you've been teaching school for 33 years, 30 years at Milton High School. You think about all the kids that you've taught, and and I'm sure there's there's some kids that come to mind. A number of my high school teachers say when they think back on their career, they they. they and they think back on students they had, I'll run into them and they'll say, we think of you. And I don't know that that's a good or a bad thing, but it's just like, we, you're one of the ones that we, we remembered. But you, you think back on your kind of, on your legacy and the different students that you've taught and how those kids are going to remember you. I'm not sure you want to go out as being remembered as the, the serial pooper. Just saying. All right. Matter of fact, in, in the last segment, when we were talking about these Detroit firefighters who posed in front of the burning building, one of the callers said, gee, I, I wonder how, you know, residency rules affect this. And the implication was, you know, if the Detroit firefighters, li- and I don't know if Detroit has a residency rule or not. I, I don't. But if the Detroit firefighters lived, you know, in that community, would they have been as cavalier to take the photograph? Don't, don't know the answer to that. Don't even know anything about their Detroit residency rules. But I, I it. 
there's a residency rule related topic that I want to discuss. Now, over the last couple months, we have talked about the number of Milwaukee employees, city of Milwaukee employees, who once residency rules were eliminated, have decided to, you know, move outside the city. And the, the numbers are about 45% of both police and firefighters now live outside the city. And that, that's always been the, 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 one of the driving forces. Okay, police and firefighters, well compensated. The argument is, all right, first of all, they're taking money that they're earning in the city and then they're leaving and they're spending it in, in the suburbs or, or somewhere else. You know, that's one of the arguments. And the other argument is, all right, they're, they're less attached to the community where they work if they don't live there. Th- those are the two arguments that are made. I don't want to talk about cops and firefighters, though. There's another interesting element to this residency thing. All right, that that same law that allowed general city employees and firefighters and police officers to, you know, move outside the city also impacted the Milwaukee public schools. Now, the latest numbers that I have show that Of the MPS employees, and these aren't just teachers. These are all the MPS employees. Uh, They All right, right now, 10,186 MPS employees. As of the most recent numbers that I have, 2,417 live outside the city. That translates into about 23%, so a little over one in five. Now, when you look at firefighters and cops, it's getting close to one out of every two that live outside the city. But um, as far as MPS employees, and that's going to include a lot of teachers, you have about one in four teachers who are living outside the the city. All right. Now, that doesn't mean that they all move, for example, in, in the last year or anything like that. And now what happens is that when MPS goes out and tries to recruit teachers, that there's not a condition that they have to move into the city. I mean, so if you have somebody who is a teacher who's living in Glendale or Waukesha or West Bend or wherever, and they're willing to drive, they, they don't have to go through the, the rigmarole of moving into the city. They can, they can just do that. So... That's, I think, probably a reason why the numbers are continuing to increase. It's not like, boom, they passed this law and automatically 23% moved out. That's what the number is now. But, again, the argument we get when we apply it to police and firefighters is that if you're not living in the city, you're not plugged in. You, You can't do as good a job, and, again, you're taking money out of there. Does that same rationale? Okay, we have, I'm sorry, what? Oh, we have President Trump. President Trump is making a statement. Let's cut in on that. A flawless precision strike that killed the number one terrorist anywhere in the world, Qasem Soleimani. Soleimani was plotting imminent and sinister attacks on American diplomats and military personnel, but we caught him in the act and terminated him. Under my leadership, America's policy is unambiguous to terrorists who harm or intend to harm any American. We will find you. We will eliminate you. We will always protect our diplomats, service members, all Americans, and our allies. For years, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps 
and its ruthless Quds force under Soleimani's leadership has targeted, injured, and murdered hundreds of American civilians and servicemen. The recent attacks on U.S. targets in Iraq, including rocket strikes that killed an American and injured four American servicemen very badly, as well as a violent assault on our embassy in Baghdad, were carried out at the direction of Soleimani. Soleimani made the death of innocent people his sick passion, contributing to terrorist plots as far away as New Delhi and London. Today we remember and honor the victims of Soleimani's many atrocities, and we take comfort in knowing that his reign of terror is over. Soleimani has been perpetrating acts of terror to destabilize the Middle East for the last 20 years. What the United States did yesterday should have been done long ago. A lot of lives would have been saved. Just recently, Soleimani led the brutal repression of protesters in Iran, where more than a thousand innocent civilians were tortured and killed by their own government. We took action last night to stop a war. We did not take action to start a war. I have deep respect for the Iranian people. They are a remarkable people with an incredible heritage and unlimited potential. We do not seek regime change. However, the Iranian regime's aggression in the region, including the use of proxy fighters to destabilize its neighbors, must end and it must end now. The future belongs to the people of Iran, those who seek peaceful coexistence and cooperation not the terrorist warlords who plunder their nation to finance bloodshed abroad. The United States has the best military by far anywhere in the world. We have the best intelligence in the world. If Americans anywhere are threatened, we have all of those targets already fully identified, and I am ready and prepared to take whatever action is necessary and that in particular refers to Iran. Under my leadership, we have destroyed the ISIS territorial caliphate, and recently American Special Operations Forces killed the terrorist leader known as al-Baghdadi. The world is a safer place without these monsters. America will always pursue the interests of good people, great people, great souls, while seeking peace, harmony, and friendship with all of the nations of the world. Thank you. God bless you. God bless our great military, and God bless the United States of America. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President you say you do this. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, President. Um, interesting. Normally, when the President's going to make remarks, they... They say, okay, the presence will be coming out at 2 o'clock or 2.05 or whatever, and then they give you a countdown, and then they tell you this is going on. This, what grew, we, we got, like, no notice of this. He just no, kind of came you out. at least, like, a two-minute warning or something like that. I had it in queue so I can hear the background noise, and it just sounds like, you know, distinct, indistinct okay. chatter. Well, I had some of the TV stations on it, and they, they were caught by surprise. Yeah, we none had it of them, before they did. Yeah, none of them, because it was just interesting. But President Trump commenting on the uh the, the strikes that, that took out the um 
Uh, I, I mean, I'm going to label him as a state-sponsored, you know, terrorist. And President Trump saying he believes the world is definitely a safer place. Time will tell. But as we were talking about in the first hour of the program, I I think this is I think it was appropriate. But there are certainly risks. Back with more in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We are back once again. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. A couple new postings, a uh, head start, a little preview of a story that's going to be in the travel section um, that on, on Sunday at the local newspaper. Myself and a couple other people, they asked us, what do you listen to when you're on the road uh, listening to the radio? So you can check that out. I've got a link to the story. And, again, if you don't believe me about the serial pooper of Walworth County, who turns out to be an English teacher from Milton High School, got a link to that story as well. Plus, uh, Journal Sentinel columnist Jim Stingle retires after a long and prosperous career. And I have a couple thoughts on that as well. You can see all that if you follow me on Twitter. Again, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 Right before the, the president's Comments. I was talking a little bit about these these residency numbers, and in, in Milwaukee, th- there's been a dramatic departure of fire and police officers. About about 45 percent of fire and police officers now live outside the city. For MPS employees, it, it's about one in four. It's about 25 percent. So less dramatic, but still, you know, a, a number of people are saying, "Well, th- this is, you know, this isn't right." You know, again, you know, these teachers aren't in, invested in this. I. I, I was looking at these numbers, and I admit I'm a little bit surprised that it's that high. But but having said that, teaching at MPS is a challenge for a lot of reasons. You've got all the different issues that you have to deal with in any large urban school district, large class sizes, et cetera, et cetera. Plus, you compound that with the high property taxes in the city of Milwaukee, crime issues, and all the others. And I think to the extent that there is a teacher shortage now, to the extent that MPS has trouble recruiting and retaining teachers, if you continue to have the residency rule in place, I think whatever the problem they have now would be magnified tenfold. Because the reality is you have a lot of people who who make life, they're very, very good teachers, dedicated willing to teach in urban school districts. And my argument would be, are those dedicated teachers, are they less committed to their classrooms? Are they less committed to their students because they live in in Glendale instead of, I I don't know, you know, downtown? And and my answer would be no. They're they're committed professionals. Then you say, well, why do they live in Glendale? Why do they live in West Dallas? Well, there's all sorts of reasons. Maybe it's just, hey, you know, the the property taxes are cheaper in Glendale than they are in West Dallas. Maybe it's just this lifestyle choice. Hey, we can get more of a house in Glendale than we can, you know, in downtown. And maybe you got a young teacher who wants to start a family, and it's like, okay, we, we want a bigger house. We want a little bit of a yard. I just think, and I understand the people who argue that, you know, you need, if you're going to be a part of a community, you need to live in that community. But the reality is trying to find qualified teachers, particularly in some of these school districts that face all sorts of challenges for whatever reason, it's hard. And if MPS still had its residency rule, my belief is it would be really, really hard. And by at least allowing teachers to have the choice of where they want to live, I think it makes it easier to recruit for MPS, and I think it makes it easier to retain qualified teachers. I mean, you know, some young teacher 
comes in, wants to work in an urban school district out of, for example, once they get their degree, they teach for a couple years and then they meet somebody and they want to get married and they want to move out to the suburbs, but they'd love to continue to teach at their school. You know, why should they have to make that choice? Is that really in the interest of the students? And in this particular case, regardless of how you feel about residency rules for fire and police officers, I, I think... To the extent that there's a teaching shortage, to the extent there's a problem, if you still had that residency rule, you'd really have a problem. This is Jeff Wagner.